Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. It seems hard to believe, and for someone like me who's got kind of a natural, I don't know, I must have had like ancient ancestors who were carnival barkers, something like that. I've kind of always just enjoyed hype. I just like it. Uh, you know, I like pro wrestling. I like, you know, things along those lines. I just like kind of building stuff up. I like hyperbole a little bit uh, sometimes. And so you might be tempted to think, well, this is just BA being BA. But as hard as it is to believe, there's really a chance this 2022 class for Georgia ends up being as good as, if not better than, anything that Kirby Smart has done from a recruiting standpoint since his time of becoming a UGA coach in his first class back in 2016, and everything came after that. Now, I say that knowing full well the success that George has enjoyed, number three in 2017, number one in 2018, uh, you know, you know, 2019, 2020, you know, right there at the very top of the uh, country over and over and over again. It seems like that Georgia is just dominating the recruiting landscape of this country, but truly it may end up being unrivaled by what happens here in the 2022 cycle. The dogs, if you care about this kind of thing this early in the process, are currently number one in the 24-7 sports composite team ranking. A lot of that based on kind of a, I don't know, they like to re-rank and retabulate some of these figures and things along those lines. Uh, but nonetheless, for now, Georgia is number one. And there could be more on the way. We've talked in recent shows about what Kamari Wilson, the five-star safety, has said about the dogs. Obviously, there's a lot of interest being paid to you know all kinds of names. And then there's Branson Robinson, four-star running back. Now, Georgia already got a back in the fold for the class of 2022 in Jordan James. Good-looking prospect in his own right of the state of Tennessee. But Robinson's one of those guys that, boy, it just really seems like he ought to be a Georgia running back uh, based on the way that he looks, and he's you know drawn some comparisons to, to other guys there as well. Well, our friends over at Rivals.com caught up with Robinson recently. They put this out there on Twitter. I'll make sure I put a link to the full video when I post the show later on through WorldFamousDogNation.com. But I, I want you to hear more evidence of why this 2022 class for Georgia may be really coming together in a pretty staggering fashion. First of all, Branson Robinson here, the very good running back, speaking to Rivals.com, does not really mince words, but the idea that Georgia is his leader. And let me say one thing before we play this audio. And this is just kind of quick. So I had like some like issues with my equipment at home this morning. So uh, some of this audio today is probably not as pristine of the quality that we that we normally get because I had uh, I had equipment issues, which uh, we'll try to get through here. But I do want you to hear Branson Robinson with Rivals.com calling Georgia his leader in his recruitment right now. This is a uh, good stuff. Oh, man, you know, just the way they produce and develop their running backs and, you know, give them to the NFL, you know. So I'm going into a great situation if I decide to go there, you know. So I have plenty of time. I have plenty, you know, opportunities to, you know, put myself and play early. So that's right. That's really right at number one right now. Plenty of time to come in there and play early. George has shown that he'll do that with running backs. He says he'll be going into a great situation. They put guys in the NFL, so therefore, Branson Robinson, rivals.com feels comfortable calling UGA his leader at the moment. And then the interviewer uh, asked Robinson, what do you think about these comparisons you get to Nick Chubb? And there was this moment the other day where, like, Robinson's doing, like, the deadlift, and he's setting records doing that, and just his overall general physique. It certainly looks a lot like what Nick Chubb, you know, would have brought to the table when he was, you know, a uh, – 
uh, unbelievable athletic specimen in his high school time leading into his arrival there at UGA. Robinson's drawn some of those same comparisons. Branson says to rivals that he's heard those and he's got no problem being compared to Nick Chubb and if you're a aspiring running back why would you not given the success that Chubb's having the Cleveland Browns more here from Branson Robinson talking about his comfort with being compared to Nick Chubb I think it's pretty decent he'll say I think me and him have a lot of similarities you know you know obviously the size you know it's the running style so yeah I can see why they can compare to Nick Chubb so unfortunately, only probably a C plus level in terms of audio quality, but A plus level in terms of the kinds of things you want to hear a young man like that say, feeling very good about the situation at George is Branson Robinson. I can promise you that UGA fans feel very good about that there as well. It's going to be a really fun summer with all this kind of stuff. We've just said this, you know, a lot as spring practice comes to a close and as you sort of look at what's next, you got visits dominating the month of June. You got big guys like Kamari Wilson and Branson Robinson, just really very open, but their feelings about UGA right now. I just think that George is in a great spot and and I'm entertained by it. I'm obviously eager to see how it all comes together here. But all of this seems really good for the moment. Let me now kind of shift gears and do something slightly different, but at least kind of within, you know, contained within the same thing. You know, sometimes I kind of think about, you know, why is it that sports are as popular as they are? You know, why is it do we, uh, you know, we kind of allow ourselves to have so much of our free time away from work, things like that, consumed by sports? And why is it that, you know, many of us, most of us, I would say, want our kids to kind of be involved in sports in some form or fashion? Like, why is it that we make in our society sports such a big deal? And the one thing I kind of just kind of keep coming back to is, is it just sort of seems like, and this is not new ground here. I'm not breaking new, you know, uh, information by by telling you this. Most of the most of you are aware of this in some form or fashion yourselves. That sports just seems to be really good at teaching lessons that would be hard to be taught other ways. That sports just has a way of reminding of us what matters and reminding us just kind of how to be better at life or whatever it is that we're trying to get done here. And with that in mind. So I saw this thing. Clay Travis shared this on Twitter. Uh, there's a guy named James Light who's had a bunch of like this really good uh, video clips from some of these coaches' conventions that a lot of these high school coaches are involved with. And Nick Saban, we've played a couple of those for you before. Here's an another one from Saban where he was talking about his time being Miami Dolphins head coach. And he was talking about, you know, kind of all the pre-draft reports that you read, the weeks and weeks and weeks you spend getting ready for an NFL draft and all the studying you're doing on the prospects that you could potentially be drafting, Saban referring to his time as Dolphins head coach there in 2005 and 2006. And Saban says that after looking at all these pre-draft reports, there was something that to him just became obvious in examining all this information. And he says the takeaway from that is, he has been trying to instill in his Alabama players ever since then. Now, I know that Saban's kind of a Georgia rival here and kind of a nemesis to the program, but just kind of put that aside for a moment and listen to a guy that has been around the block one or two times when it comes to football, and then after that, we'll kind of tie this back to Georgia a little bit there as well. This is Nick Saban on what he has learned from reading those pre-draft reports. And I tell our players all the time, the two most compelling words in the draft report is and and but. All right, so they read the player, and I'll take a defensive back. All right, he's got quick feet, change of direction, good long speed, can play man-to-man, -man. he's a good tackler, he's got toughness, got really good ball judgment and really good ball skills, and he's a good person. He was a leader on the team. He graduated from school. Coaches love him. Read the same player, 
but he had a positive drug test. Uh, he had a domestic violence incident with his girlfriend. He got in a fight in a bar when he was a freshman. Strength coach said he wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. Uh, who, who do you want on your team? And or but. All right, so what I tell players is you don't realize that as soon as you apply for a job, as soon as you put your name in for the draft, people are looking for reasons not to pick you. They're looking for reasons not to hire you. So don't give anybody a reason to say but. I mean, I just think that's incredible advice because it is, Saban is right that when we make decisions in life, we're not choosing something as much as we're like eliminating the other alternatives. And that's true when you can only draft one player or you're trying to decide, hey, which guy do I spend more time recruiting this guy or, or that guy? That you're not looking to make the choice. You're looking to eliminate the other options and the buts, as Saban calls, he's a good player, but this, but that, but the other, is one of those reasons you might end up not doing that. And I know that like, especially sometimes with like younger people in the audience, you may be cynical about this and say, yeah, but Saban's taking chances on maybe guys of questionable character before. He doesn't really mean what he's saying. But I sort of get the sense that football really is evolving in such a way that when you do have a chance to choose higher character guy over the other, it does seem like a lot of coaches are moving that direction. It certainly seems like Georgia in recent years has been kind of moving in that direction because when Kirby Smart spoke about this a couple of years ago, when it comes to the kinds of players he wants in his own roster, not using the language of the ands and the buts, but kind of using the same theme that Saban talked about there of, hey, what the guy has going on beyond his ability to play the game smart says yes that definitely matters to what we're trying to get done here this is kirby smart from i think this is uh february of 2020 this is kirby smart more more every year more each and every year like it should never be the only thing but it's definitely the most important thing and the older i get the more wiser i get and the more you realize that chasing guys that uh, don't believe in the same principles and values of your university and of your program, they're just not worth it. I mean, there's too much time spent on guys that if you're having to chase them around, it's, it's just not worth it. I mean, take the guys that want to be there, you go play with the guys that want to be there, and number one, you'll enjoy your job day to day, your staff will enjoy it more, but so will the other players. So it's very important to us. I mean, I know the audio quality on that's pretty mediocre, but hopefully you're able to get the message that Smart's trying to send. And for those of you who have maybe a tendency to want to be cynical on a topic like this, I hope Smart's honesty you can appreciate. He says, listen, character's not the only thing we're thinking about. I mean, we're still thinking about, you know, who has the physical attributes and just the overall ability level to play at the, you know, kind of the highest caliber of the sport in the SEC. But within that category – hey, if we're having to like deal with a bunch of character stuff off the field, then it's just not going to be worth the trouble. And I think that's really true. In a lot of ways, I think this is really the secret sauce right now of, of UGA recruiting. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the program that you know the 2022 class has a chance to be the best that, that Georgia signed. And here's what programs like Georgia and Alabama and the other sort of top recruiting programs are able to do right now. They have established such a strong recruiting message that they now get to be very selective about who they bring in. So these programs, and fortunately right now George is one of them, they're only picking from the highest of the high in terms of you know, capable prospects. And within that group, they now get to be selective. It's not just we need guys who can play at the SEC level, so therefore we'll roll the dice on the character issue. No, it's like we're only choosing from guys who can play at the SEC level, so therefore let us also look for guys who have some of those and 
attributes that Saban talked about. Good player and good teammate. Good player and high character guy. Good player and, you know, true leader. And listen, go back and listen to like some of the recent UGA commits and see this for yourself. Like Malachi Starks is the guy that you would want on any team. I mean, he's, uh, you know, you know, values family, values everything. I mean, like the, the interview that, that uh, you know, uh, Dog Nation did with Starks after he committed, I mean, how could you not fall in love with him pretty quickly? So to say nothing of like Jalen Walker, who's kind of, you know, kind of cut from that same cloth and Gunnar Stockton and on and on you want to go here in terms of these guys that Georgia's brought in who, I mean, it's just very e- – I know you can fake stuff in interviews. I, I get that. But I'm going to assume that, that these aren't all, you know, being faked here, that – it seems to go beyond just being a good player. It seems to be, you know, uh, the kind of guy who feels like he's going to be a good teammate there as well. And I do think that kind of stuff matters. And I, th- I think the way in which that's kind of evolving in football is probably kind of a good thing. But specifically the way that it's evolving here at UGA, I think is a really good thing there as well. So the Saban words, I take them seriously. Smart echoing a similar theme a couple of years ago. I take that pretty seriously there as well. It seems to be the secret sauce working for Georgia right now. And it could be the recipe for a championship here sooner rather than later. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And good to have you with us no matter how. You get to us today live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, from the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really glad to have you as a part of the program and really appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. You know, Pella can really set you up with more energy-efficient, better-looking windows and doors. This is good for the outside curb appeal. It's good for the way your home feels on the inside. And Pella makes the process of picking all this out simpler, more enjoyable than ever before. You get a free, no-pressure consultation. You can do that in person. You can do that over the streaming video if you're still more comfortable doing that way. They'll go through product samples with you. They'll talk about installation options. They'll just make sure that you are fully equipped with all the information you need to make the best choice for you and your family. You can also take advantage of great savings right now. 10% 10% off your entire project, 0% APR for 24 months. Very easy to get in touch with. You can give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or as it says there on your screen, for those of you watching on video, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Please just do them a favor, or do me a favor, and let them know that the folks over at Dog Nation Daily sent you over there. I told them that they would take good care of you. I know they will, so I feel very comfortable saying that to you. All right, it's a very busy show for us. It's John Stinchcomb coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before we do that with John here today, though, let's go around the doghouse, and I want to follow up on a story that we spoke about yesterday, I should say the last time we did a show, which was on Friday, regarding Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, who Football Scoop has now mentioned as a possible candidate for the Kansas job. I did some digging on this over the weekend, looking kind of some of the media stuff coming out of Lawrence, Kansas, and it certainly does seem like that Lanning's on the list. In fact, one of the news reports I read said that Lanning is going to interview for this job. Uh, I told you that I like Football Scoop a lot. I think they do good work, but the story they wrote about Lanning from Friday, it wasn't abundantly clear to me from reading that that Lanning was definitely going to interview for the job. But according to one of the media reports coming out, I think it was 24-7 Sports that had this coming out of Lawrence, that Lanning is expected to interview. But if you're a UGA fan who wants to keep Dan Lanning, and I believe that all of you should, I guess you'll take it as relatively good news that 
right now it seems like the top candidates for this job for Kansas from their perspective are current sitting head coach Lance Leopold out of Buffalo he may be the leading candidate I think Jeff Munkin out of Army may be number two on that list uh, I think Munkin has even kind of you know sort of given out some overtures that he is interested in the job a guy from Eastern Michigan I guess comes in next after that so it seems like the names that are at the top of the list for the Kansas job right now are sitting head coaches I'm assuming between the three guys that I just mentioned it doesn't get much past that in terms of somebody uh, being selected the other coordinator you hear kind of com- you know commonly mentioned here is Mike Elko out of Texas A&M but it seems like for now the prime focus of Kansas search is with those sitting head coaches and you know whether it's a Leopold or a or, or a Munkin or I, for some reason I'm blanking on his name the dude from Eastern Michigan it seems like between those guys right now they may be the primary guys and as I said before if you're a Georgia fan keeping landing is something you definitely want to do I thought the pick six previews had an interesting stat. If you look at yards per play, and as they do it here, adjust it for opponents, obviously playing tougher teams in the SEC, Georgia, according to Pick 6 Previews in 2020, was actually number one in the nation in uh, the top 2020 defenses per play on an opponent-adjusted basis. Alabama came in number two, Iowa's third, Pittsburgh was four, Northwestern was five. Now, who knows? You know, They're not exactly showing their work on a lot of this stuff. A lot of analytics folks are not. But it is an example, even with some kind of high-profile disappointments defensively against Alabama and Florida, probably primarily speaking here, Georgia, statistically speaking, did as well defensively a year ago as any team in the country. It's another example of why I think keeping Dan Lanning is something that Georgia fans ought to want to do. And right now, maybe that Kansas coaching search is at least heading in that direction unless a whole bunch of guys kind of say no, so that's worth following right now. Before we get John Stenchcomb, let me also remind you that ongoing is our big promotion with our friends at Kroger, our Kroger Five Star Moms. We want to honor the moms in our audience, and so many of you have kind of reached out to nominate somebody, whether it's your own mother, a mother that you know, your wife, you know, just really anybody here on that. Really just explaining why this mother, as we head towards Mother's Day, has had such a profound influence on your life, and I just think that's really great stuff, and I'm really glad we get a chance to do this. Coming up on future editions of Dog Nation Daily, we're actually going to be able to announce our Kroger five-star moms, and it's a huge prize pack giveaway here. It includes a $50 Kroger gift card, a $50 bath and Body Works gift card, a $50 Home Chef gift card. So these are really great giveaways for our Kroger Five Star Moms. If you go to dognation.com, right there at the top of the page, you can find out more information about how you can get involved. Or if you're just ready to make your nomination, the website, the email address to do that is info at dognation.com. Info at dognation.com. You can find out a lot more about that there. So it's going to be great, great stuff. It's our Kroger Five Star Moms promotion ongoing right now dognation.com for more details all right it's always fun to have john stinchcomb here on a monday so let's dive in let's get ready to talk some dogs with him uh glad to have him you everybody else with us here on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider so I'll bring John Stinchcomb in on the conversation we were just having before he joined us. And, John, this is a little bit of a follow-up to something we talked about on Friday. Football Scoop had mentioned Dan Lanning's name as a potential candidate to be Kansas you know, head coach. And, listen, 
I, we kind of did the on the one hand, on the other thing, uh, other hand thing on Friday that, hey, it's a Power 5 head coaching job, but it's arguably the worst Power 5 head coaching job. So is this a job that Dan Lanning would even be interested in? You do kind of come to realize, okay, well, he's from Kansas City. He's coached that Kansas, uh, recruited that Kansas area before, going back to his time on the Arizona State staff prior to coming to UGA many years ago. So he's got some geographic ties to the area. But now you hear that, well, it's guys like Lance Leopold from Buffalo or or maybe Jeff Munkin from Army sitting current head coaches who may be the top candidates for Kansas, at least right now. If that's true, I take that as a sigh of relief. I believe that Dan Lanning's going to be a head coach eventually, but I don't want eventually to be right now. So what do you make of the idea that Lanning is kind of showing up here as a potential head coaching candidate at Kansas now and certainly future programs as they become available in the years to come? Well, I think it's in the same vein as like a Sam Pittman back to Arkansas. It's always nice when you get to go home and coach in that area that you're so familiar with. But at the end of the day, Kansas is no destination for a coach that has lofty aspirations to be competitive. I mean, right. let's be honest, the ceiling for them isn't close to what Coach Lanning is used to and what he, he's experiencing at Georgia, which I think is the uh, will be the deciding factor. I mean, uh, once you're exposed to competing on a, on a national level, and I think it'll also be an indication of, of his trust and uh, aspirations for this season alone, um, if he, if he decides to stay, just because I think there's a lot in front of this Georgia football team that you could be really excited about, um, that would far exceed the pros of going home, if you will, and getting paid more uh, as a head coach. It's just not the best situation. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of friends who are high school coaches. I know you do as well. And obviously coaches like to give advice to younger people about how to get jobs. That's one of the things that kind of comes up with the people that I know a lot. But, John, one of the things I also hear quite frequently is high school coaches advising sort of younger people who want to get into that field, not just about how to get a job, but one of the things I commonly hear is be careful about the job that you take because you can take some jobs that – don't give you very many opportunities to take other jobs. And all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of professionally stuck. And sometimes you get stuck at a very young age because, hey, you know, not every job is a springboard to a better opportunity. And obviously, at the college level, uh, a place like Kansas could kind of be that of you get here and you really can't go anywhere but here. But, you know, listen, if the money's right, then you never coach again. Maybe it's not so bad. So I guess it's a lot for Lanning to think about there. Well, and why is he on this list? He's on the list because one, he's a great coach. I'm not. I don't want to discredit or uh, misalign the credit that he is due. He's done a fabulous job being a recruiter, being an on-the-field coach. The way he schemes it up, the way he's developed talent, uh, he's a great coach. But there are other great coaches that get lost on teams that are not very good. So. Winning is always the best recruiter. It's the best recruiter for players. It's also the best recruiter um, for your services as a coach. When you're connected with winning programs, everyone thinks that you're better than you probably uh, are. I've been a beneficiary of it as a player when you think, well, the, you know, this guy, is, he's having a great year because of the team 
success. And that's that's you look at the individual awards at the end of the year. It usually comes for guys that are on on more talented teams. Coaches are no different. They get to benefit from the success of the team. So um, I, I think there is going to be, and I feel very little concern that this wouldn't come to fruition. If, if Coach Lanning wants to be a head coach, there's going to be a number of opportunities in the future that would be much more appealing than uh, trying to turn around a, a program that um, you'd have to be breaking some virgin ground for because they haven't found success and Lord knows how long. Well, let me just say one more thing on this topic, then we'll kind of talk about something different. I think one of the most under-reported, under-discussed stories around Georgia, it's very hard to have anything that's under-discussed, just given the conversation that's kind of always ongoing from people who are passionate about Georgia football. But I, John, still don't think we've talked enough, but the fact that you know, George was able to prevent Dan Lanning from hopping over to Texas and taking the same job over there. You know, Texas is the kind of program that's very resourced. And the fact that George was able to kind of flex its muscle, hold on to Dan Lanning, I think is an underrated offseason story. I gave some stats a moment ago that tell kind of a successful story for Lanning last year. I know there were some high profile, you know, defensive letdowns in games that really mattered, like Alabama and Florida. And I get all of that. But I really believe that that Lanning is a star in the making from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, in 2021, it's kind of hard to know how much defense even still really matters, just given the explosion of offense around the sport. But to the extent that it does matter, I think Lanning is more than capable of doing good things at UGA. So the fact that Georgia hasn't lost him yet, some other kind of job, is the kind of thing, as a fan speaking personally, in my own opinion here, I'm I'm just really glad that that it seems like he may stay in place, or at least he has a a good chance of staying in place here a little while longer because I think he's a very valuable asset for UGA. Could agree more. I think he's a great coach. I think he uh, has brought a lot to the program on the field and off his his ability to develop players, recruit players, and then scheme up uh, great schemes uh, on a Saturday. Uh, has been to Georgia's advantage more often than it hasn't. So uh, he's, he certainly is an asset. And, and looking in hindsight, there, there's little comparison between the opportunities that exist uh, as a head coach at Texas versus Kansas in, in football, at least. Um, so to see, you know, at the time we had to step up financially and, and make it make sense. But um, that seems like much more of a promising opportunity that was. Uh, turned down from Coach Lanning than, than this one does. I, I think it's mainly because of the time of year. I mean, very rarely are we talking about in the middle of April a coaching opportunity, and you know, would we possibly be losing a uh, one of our staff members that has become a prized asset? So. Uh, that's probably why it's getting more buzz than it usually would. I got more conversation with John Stinchcomb coming up. Before that, I want to remind you about my friends at secondchance.law. You know, I love the service they provide for people who really need it. There are new laws in Georgia now that make it easier to get some old convictions restricted off your criminal history, which opens up opportunities for you, you know, better jobs, in some cases better living opportunities, things along those lines. But the process can be confusing, hard to follow. That's what secondchance.law provides for you. It's an online quiz. By answering the questions, you can determine your eligibility. And if you're not eligible, then my friends at secondchance.law can help you figure out how to get eligible. This is a really great service for people who I think can really benefit from it. One of the partners, of course, as I've told you before, a double dog, two-time UGA graduate, former Redcoat, long 
longtime listener of Dog Nation Daily. So these are good dog people doing a great service in the kind of the law space with uh, people who can really benefit from that. So secondchance.law is the website, secondchance.law. Check it out right now to determine your eligibility and let them do some really good work for you there along those lines. John, before you joined us, I was playing some audio of Nick Saban from a coach's convention and kind of ties into some things that Kirby Smart said in the past. And, you know, for years and years and years, coaches have talked about, hey, we want good players, uh, good character guys. You know, that matters to us. But then sometimes you see the decisions that programs make and you're left to wonder, well, do you really put your money where your mouth is when it comes to the kind of high character guys you say you want to bring in the program? John, I sort of get the sense that's changing a little bit now, certainly at a place like Georgia, where it seems like they really are taking pretty big steps to show that character matters in terms of recruiting. Now, you've still got to have elite players. You've got to have guys who kind of surpass the athletic threshold. But within that population, it does seem like Georgia right now wants to be selective in terms of who it is bringing in and you know being a part of the roster, good teammate, leadership you know, potential things along those lines. As a guy who's played the game at the college and the pro level, a guy who was, you know, a leader for the teams he was a part of. I mean, how much do you think this, you know, should matter and, and actually currently does matter in the uh, football landscape we're in right now? Oh, it it, it certainly matters because football is still a team game, and the chemistry in a locker room um, very much will dictate your success in a season. Now, do you have to have a high baseline of talent? You better believe it. And can you have tolerance for a few guys that are more at risk, if you will? Uh, yes, but you're always playing that, uh, that estimation game of being an actuary of your roster and saying, we can't lose this locker room. We need guys that are high character and will create an identity and uphold the identity that we, we want in the program uh, or else that balance is lost. That's not an easy thing to recover from. You get too many guys with uh, priorities other than what they should be, and um, it can sour a locker room very quickly, and that dictates and, and will determine your success more often than not. So I think character is a huge piece that, uh, you look at the most successful programs, um, and they've been able to weigh those decisions. They they are able to maintain that balance and and maintain an identity um, that's desired of of your program. Of you know, we we want to be highly skilled athletes that that work for each other and and continue this development and put team first. Um, and there is some tolerance for. Uh, some some players that may not identify in those categories early, but it's not going to be many because uh, once you, you know, it's the 10-10-80 rule. Uh, yeah. The average is 10 high flyers, 10 <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum right. that may not maybe lead you in the other direction, and you're going to influence the 80 in the middle. You you start messing with that ratio too much, and You've got problem problems on your hands. I, I think that's pretty easy to see. The number of programs that have suffered uh, from those decisions in the past, and um, always something that coaches keep in the forefront of their mind is, you know, is this guy going to fit in what we're doing and, and the direction we want to go. Let me uh, finish one more uh, topic before we uh, let you go here today. There has been a report from ESPN.com signing a release from the College Football Playoff. 
uh, committee that it seems like expansion could be in the future of the college football playoff. You know, not the next couple of years doesn't sound like, but maybe prior to the current contract, which I think is set to expire in 2025, we could have this sooner rather than later. Whether it's a 16 playoff, an 18 playoff, I guess there's even an idea that it could be a 16 team playoff. Although that seems, to admittedly, like a remote possibility. What do you make of the idea of college football playoff expansion now that it seems like it's a more real topic than it's ever been before? Well, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think the reason why we have bowl games is because of the dollars that are tied into them at this point. What we've seen is a devaluation of of bowl games, and it's players and coaches alike, where if you're not in the college football playoff, um, some players have already said their season is over, and, and they're walking away from their team and uh, don't value the, the bowl game like it has been in the future. And we just need to recognize that. If, if that's what we've created and that's where we find ourselves, no time to, to cry over spilt milk and say, well, this is what, it shouldn't be the way it is. It is the way it is. And uh, all we can do now is react to it. And if that means expanding the college football playoffs so that more players have that opportunity and they're not walking away, I think it would be a lot harder for guys to say, you know, regular season's done, I'm I'm done, Um, despite the fact that the rest of my team is still practicing if they're a part of of an expanded playoff system. So I am very much an advocate of moving that direction. It, It makes me... Uh, a little bit nauseous to think that guys are, are walking away from their team and teammates uh, when the season's not over. So if an expanded college football playoff system helps uh, reel that back in, uh, I think that's a great step for college football in general. John, great stuff. Thank you so much for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia today. I'll look forward to getting a chance to speak with you very soon. Always interesting insight, and we'll uh, enjoy the chance to chat again very soon. Hey, always a pleasure. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. We'll talk more about that topic coming up here as we transition to our SEC Through. Of course, always great to have John Stinchcomb as a part of the program. Let me also remind you here very quick that my friends at Merriweather and Tharp are your source for Georgia divorce. Let's face it, you know, in some cases that divorce situation is an unavoidable outcome in your life. And if that's true for you, the thing to do is to put yourself in the best position to go through it and to be made whole and better on the other side of all this. That's what I know my friends at Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. Your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, the Atlanta divorce team.com. They'll walk you through the process. They will provide you free resources, blog posts, podcasts, things along those lines. And they will be a tireless advocate on your side, working hard for you, fighting for you when necessary. It's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com, your source for Georgia divorce. Uh, find them online today, uh, my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. So the thing from ESPN sites is this college football playoff deal where they're talking about all the options they're considering and the fact that I think smart people have now kind of concluded that if they're putting this out there, all these options – and they're talking about this openly unsolicited as, as they are, then it seems likely that playoff exp- expansion will occur, and it could occur sooner than uh, later, even with the uh, current contract slated to run, I believe, through 2025. I think that's the number. Uh, this could happen sooner than that. I am in favor of playoff expansion. However, I have a very specific opinion about this. I think that when it comes to the number of teams in the playoff, four does not seem to be the right number. I would say that eight feels like the right number, but to me, six would be worse than four. 
So uh, you give me all the playoff choices. Now I'm gonna, you know, push 16 aside for a month because I don't think that's real. And you're never going back to like a BCS deal. You only have two. So of the realistic options, the current number of four, possibly expanding to six or expanding to eight. I think I would rank them eight, then four, and then the worst option to me is six. And I'll kind of go through why. What you want is a debate for the playoff. What you want is a discussion about who's supposed to get in. And if you move to a six uh, deal where it's basically like the five power five conference champions plus the, the best group of five, then actually you're making the race of the playoff towards the end of the season less interesting than it currently is right now. As it stands now on that championship Saturday, you're watching that Big 12 you know, game to have some sort of comparison with what's happening in the Big Ten game or whatever else to see how these conference champions, these best teams from these various regions, how they perform against each other or how, how they perform against their opponent in comparison to each other. It's probably the best way to say that all the way around. If you move to six and it was just the most obvious six, which is power fives plus the top group of five, then you're actually doing even less of that. The reason why I like eight is because on the one hand, I want to take power away from the committee. I think the committee's got too much power right now, and I think it makes for a maddening discussion because, frankly, from year to year, they don't behave consistently. It's one of the reasons why I always laugh at these analytic sites that try to give you odds to make the playoff. You're basically trying to put a numeric you know, equation behind what is, at times, an illogical human decision. It doesn't really make any sense to me, and I think we've all gotten really frustrated by that. We've also gotten really frustrated by the number of blowout games that exist in these national semifinals. We've had a number of those. Really, you know, Georgia, the year it was in the playoff in 2017, the Rose Bowl game and then the you know the close game against Alabama was obviously a disappointing loss, but those are at least two examples of close football games that Georgia played in. Both those games went to overtime. That's a pretty significant rarity in comparison to a lot of what else goes on with the uh, college football playoff kind of all the way around there. So if you move to eight not only are you reducing the power of the committee, you know, you're going to give more conference games the way to play their way in, taking the committee decision away from that, but you also have the opportunity for, for, you know, for, for just better games, because here's what you're going to do. You're going to open the door for at least two at-large teams to be in the college football playoff. That would be a team like Georgia in 2018 or a team like Texas A&M in 2020. And here's what you do. When you put those at-large teams in, not teams who just make it by default because they have a conference championship or a zero next to their name in the loss column, but teams who actually looked the part of what a best team in the country is supposed to be, eventually you'll get better games in the semifinals because those teams will work their way through the quarterfinal. They'll, they'll win a lot of those games, and they will uh, you know, get into a semifinal game, and you'll have what you had in 2017 with more competitive games taking place. I believe that's true. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. This may seem ludicrous, but if you give me the choice of the six teams in an 18 playoff that might make the playoff by virtue of winning their conference on one side of the ledger and the two teams in a given year who might make the, the college football playoff because of an at-large status, teams that just look like they're you know one of the eight best teams in the country. Over the course of a long haul, 10-year, 20-year span, that group of two, those at-large teams that make the playoff, are going to win national championships a lot more frequently than you might think, especially in comparison to the other six conference champions who you know, really aren't always the best teams in the country. They just kind of you know, 
you know, punch their ticket because they won a conference. But it may have been a weak conference. They may have come from a weak division. You know, not all conference champions year over year are created equally there. The other, I guess, you know, quick point you got to, you know, mention in all this is the role that the group of five does play in this. And this is one of those things that always kind of frustrates me about the college football medium is the group of five is over-covered by the media. If you talk to a college fan at a tailgate or a sports bar, a place where people are watching college football on a Saturday, no one's talking about Coastal Carolina. No one's talking about, I don't even know who the other teams even were in the discussion, Louisiana or even you know UCF. That's just not the thing the average fan kind of talks about. But the amount of media coverage about, hey, does Coastal Carolina belong in the college football playoff or does Cincinnati belong in the college football playoff? That is just so out of balance in comparison to the way that actual college football fans talk about this. But let's face it, for any kind of playoff expansion or to even get a playoff to begin with, you have to have the votes of the rest of college football to kind of move in that direction. And, you know, it may be one of those things in an 18 playoff world or an expanded playoff world, you just sort of have to bite the bullet and provide more of an opportunity for the group of five, even though the average college football fan just doesn't care about that at all. Uh, The numbers bear it out year after year after year. Uh, you may have to make some sort of concession in this regard just to get the kind of votes you need to to move forward with this for the sport. So bottom line on all this for me, ESPN's talking about it. Committee uh, kind of puts it out there to begin with. Uh, sooner rather than later, moving to a six or maybe an 18 playoff. I don't really think that 16 would get much consideration. I think playoff expansion is better than the current situation, but I think it needs to be eight to uh, really be good there. Uh, a couple more things here as part of our SEC through busy weekend for SEC spring games. I got some, you know, some jokes on Twitter about the fact that I'd be talking about Texas A&M today. Some of the audience thinks that I do that too much. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw from Hayes King. The, I would say that right now the leader for that Texas A&M quarterback situation, and this matters, Georgia doesn't play A&M, but Alabama does. This may be a very topsy-turvy SEC West right now. In the presence of a guy like King working in a Jimbo Fisher offense, if he does emerge there over Jake Calzada, or I should say Zach Calzada, that could be one of the bigger stories in the SEC right now. So I was you know, fairly impressed with A&M on Saturday. Obviously, Matt Corral looks like a big-time player there for Ole Miss as well. That was another one of those uh, you know, spring games that occurred. You had the you know, first-year coaches like Heupel and, and Shane Beamer kind of going this weekend there as well. Uh, but I think the big story is what's happening there at quarterback in the SEC West with Corral looking strong as ever for uh, Ole Miss, King possibly emerging at A&M, busy weekend of stuff related to all that. Two other quick stories. NFL draft comes up on Thursday. There's obviously some reporting here this weekend about what's happening to the San Francisco 49ers at the number three overall pick. They've now kind of whittled it down according to, I think it was Ian Rappaport who may have had this first. Uh, down to two guys, either Mac Jones, the former Alabama quarterback, or Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback. The Lance thing just doesn't make any sense to me, but I've said that before. But if you're kind of curious what happens with, with either the Falcons at four or any of the other stuff in the SEC after that, San Francisco really holds a lot of the keys there with that number three overall pick after trading into that spot. We expected them to go quarterback, and now the reporting's out there that maybe the former Alabama guy, Mac Jones, maybe the guy who lands there in that spot. So that'll be a story we're watching a bunch here this weekend. Also, quick women's basketball note. We don't do a ton of women's basketball in the SEC through, but it's a pretty big story. LSU has really flexed and made a big hire here. Kim Mulkey, a very successful coach at Baylor, is leaving Waco to go to Baton Rouge. So uh, she's got ties to the state of Louisiana. So Kim Mulkey coming to LSU there. Pretty big story. Uh, We'll make that your SEC through.
Also, let me very quickly give a shout-out to the Diamond Dogs. Going to Missouri, lost game one on Friday, but came back to take both the Saturday and Sunday game. And Georgia has now won three consecutive SEC series. This is a team that's seemingly getting hot at the right time. Missouri was not a, is not a winning team, but on the road, needing to do what you had to do, Georgia kind of did that. So as you head towards that time of year, we're starting to think about NCAA regionals and things along those lines. Georgia making a pretty strong case for itself. Now even in SEC play, and boy, that's not an easy thing to do in a time when the SEC is as deep as it is, but Georgia's really putting together a pretty good season there under Coach Scott Strickland. Also, before we get ready to say goodbye today, let me also uh, talk to you about my friends at Five Market Realty. Speaking of Athens, obviously Diamond Dogs playing there at Foley Field, and the real estate around that ballpark, around the University of Georgia, is certainly a hot real estate market right now. So if you want to get involved in the investment market there, the game day condo situation, the Airbnb rental stuff, or if you just want to retire there, live there, whatever else, local expert knowledge from my friends at Five Market Realty make that easier for you. You can find them online, the number five, 5MRealty.com. That's 5MRealty.com. You can find them there. They know the scene around Athens. They can take good care of you and help really uh really uh you know introduce you to all the things you need to understand to make the real estate buying process there in the athens area work in your advantage that's what five market realty does they're also on the 2021 bulldog 100 list so when you do business with my friends at five market realty you're doing business with good dog people check them out today the number five five m realty.com and as we wrap up here on dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia today let's do a a Gator hater roll call here and a, a golden shoe winner. Our buddy Bank Six sent this to me on Twitter. I think it's really funny. So here's what happens. Um, Dan Mullen puts this out on Instagram. He says, uh, where am I? He says, hint, not on campus. There's a picture of him on lake or open water there somewhere. And a Florida fan <laughs> tweeted the picture of Mullen from Instagram saying, here's your second hint. You're also not out recruiting there as well. So... In some cases, it's Florida fans themselves that get a little frustrated with Dan Mullen. It's not always Georgia fans who are mocking Mullen for his recruiting failures. Florida fans get pretty frustrated by that kind of stuff, too. Our buddy Bank Six sent that to us on uh, Twitter. So good stuff all the way around from him. He gave you a hashtag Golden Shoe. And yes, indeed, you are Golden Shoe worthy here today. How about Gatorator Countdown? 187 days from right now. Georgia gets some revenge on them lousy, stinking Gators. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. AC units, they can get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs and keep it cool this spring. We're going to roll through a few comments here real quick, and then i got to run for today. So the way that you can participate, hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in our comments section when we post the show at DogNation.com. DogFan2009. Going back to the other uh, day, we're talking about, you know, do you make shows like Freeze Frame, a podcast as well? He says he would enjoy hearing that as a podcast, even though the podcast audience would be missing the video portion of the show. I bet there's still a portion of the audience that would enjoy listening to the analysis. I know I would. So, dog fan, that's great to hear. I'll certainly take that into consideration as we kind of expand our podcast offerings. I think the, you know, obviously Dog Nation Daily is, to me, I still think of it as primarily a podcast. But I think the the goal here for our organization in the year to come is to kind of expand everything so that all shows are eventually also podcasts there as well. And basically you're going to have a Dog Nation daily feed and you're going to have a Dog Nation feed that's all the other Dog Nation shows. I think that's kind of the plan that's on its way to, to coming to fruition there. 
um, on the subject of Dan Lanning as a candidate for the Kansas head coaching job. Uh, Kirk writes in to say that I'm sure uh, Smart would chuckle and say that every assistant coach in a top program is always in the mix for a head coaching job somewhere. Bama cycles through coaches every year and yet still finds a way to maintain their dominance. Yeah, Bama has replaced as many assistant coaches in recent years as anybody, and they have been able to maintain that. And, you know, George is kind of in that mix there now as well. And I'm actually kind of impressed with how a lot of these, you know, guys that Kirby's worked with have gone on. They've gotten promotions, and they're really seemingly doing pretty well. I think that speaks well of the George program. Garden Dog says, you do not throw away a career for Kansas football. The fat man has been the only real success he's talking about Martin Mangino has had, and I'm not even sure it will return. The state has few big prospects that will uh, not consider a bottom dweller. And I understand Garden Dog on that. I think he's, you know, Garden Dog's probably right. I guess the one thing I said was, you know, so if you pay a guy like Lanning, you know, like the established head coach money, $3 million plus, if you promise him five years, you know, that at a certain point in time, is that enough money that – Limited professional options beyond that don't really matter anymore. Sounds like for now they're thinking more sitting head coaches as it is. But that's what I kind of wondered about. Uh, Montana dog on the subject of uh, Dan Lanning here. Yeah, CBS from March had that. Football Scoop had that uh, on Friday, and that's kind of how we got into that. Bubba Bill also on the subject of Jeff Munkin. Yeah, it sounds like if Munkin uh, got the job, he would actually, you know, Munkin's a, a uh, option coach it sounds like Munkin would actually maybe alter that option stuff a little bit some people think Kansas should go triple option but if Jeff Munkin got the job at Army maybe he would change his offense just a little bit Big John also weighing in on Lanning having been considered for the for the DC job at Texas yeah keeping him from taking that job I thought was a pretty big deal Venom GA thinks that uh, Lanning needs to wait for a better team than Kansas. He says no point going somewhere that you have an awful record. It could keep him from getting another job in the future. That's a better opportunity, and there's no doubt that Venom's correct on that. A lot of folks weighing in on this. Stone weighing in to say that it might not be a bad opportunity. No one expects much from whoever becomes the head coach uh, other than Kansas. I'm not even sure they do. The bar for success is very low. What would it provide is the opportunity to learn with what being a head coach is all about. It's not like after being the head coach of Kansas, he would he would never uh, get another opportunity. So maybe a slightly different opinion there. I mean, it would definitely be on the job experience. And I think the question would become is, you know, how much time he's promised, right? I mean, if they're going to give you five years to get it figured out there, then that ends up being kind of a valuable commodity in its own right. Uh, BRVHT on the uh, comment section also says Kirby's been in this position countless times. He'll provide some excellent counsel to Lanning about avoiding the temptation of taking a head coaching position at a career killer like Kansas. I'd be willing to bet everything I own, which isn't much that he doesn't take it. So uh strong take there. Boy, a lot of folks weighing in on this. Um, good comments all the way around. Bubba Bill says my money uh, says the new head coach at Kansas will be Todd Munkin or Kevin Kane. So don't panic uh, yet. And that, that's where he or earlier said he meant to say Jeff Munkin there. Uh, and I think you also have to add Lance Leopold there from Buffalo in that discussion. Fort Worth Dog says if Lanning were to leave, you got Schumann stepping in as defensive coordinator or Will Muschamp there too. And that's all, you know, those are good candidates. I, I do think that Dan Lanning has done a great job at Georgia, though, and deserves some credit for that. Um, Montana Dog says it was old news, but it wasn't old news in the fact that the story from Football Scoop came out the same day that we uh, talked about it on the show. Also, I wrote yesterday about 
some of the stuff that had been some of the Georgia offensive line the show last week. Stone also waited on that there as well. Saying without an outstanding offensive line, it's difficult to win a national championship no matter how good, great the other units are. And clearly offensive line is kind of a catalyst for that success. I'll invite folks to check out the story that I wrote at dognation.com, going back to some of the stuff that John Stinchcomb had said on our show a week ago about just how important it is you know, to get that offensive line figured out. But my belief that overall the component pieces are there that it's likely UGA finds some success where all that's concerned. So you can check that out online, dognation.com. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Find them online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price is promised. Uh, check them out, rsandrews.com. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.